This is a fascinating letter. It's one of the more famous uh, essays in Kuntras Achorn. So let's give an introduction. In the last two essays, we spoke about the observance of mitzvahs and how they seek out the exiled sparks hidden in this world and suffuse them with godliness. We also pointed out that it's not only the mitzvahs, but it's true of the study of these mitzvahs as well. Now we go one step further and explain that the laws of Torah transcend the world beyond any possible comparison. They're just unbelievably great. And he starts this essay by exploring an episode that happened with David HaMelech, King David. The story goes, as written in the book of Shmuel 2, that when David triumphantly brought back the Holy Ark from its captivity in the hands of the Philistines, where it was there for quite a while, and he was bringing it back to the Jewish land, to Jerusalem, to the, to the Mishkan at the time, to the Holy Temple, it was placed on a wagon. David had momentarily forgotten the Torah's law that says clearly in the Torah that you may not put the ark on a wagon. You must carry it. So commenting on this episode, the sages in the tractate of Sota in the Talmud teach that David's forgetfulness came as a punishment for having referred to the laws of the Torah as songs in the book of Tehillim. Your statutes were sung to me, Reves Megurai, in the pl- in my place of terror. Why would an expression be cons- that says that Torah is like a song be considered offensive? This is what we explore in this essay. So the essay begins by the words of the Talmud, David, King David, Zmirot Karitlu, you call them songs. Like Hashem's referring to him and saying, how could you call it songs? And that's why you failed. Now in the Zohar, we find the expression, the praise of Torah and its song. In other words, that Torah is a hymn, it's a haim, and a song to Hashem. So let us understand. First, instead of going straight to King David, he goes straight to the Zohar. Let's understand what the Zohar means when he says that the praise of Torah and its song. What is the praise of Hashem when a particular object is forbidden or permitted? What is a sing-song about the fact that this is kosher and that's not kosher? A similar concept is found in the verse, how great are your works, magadlu masecha Hashem, how great are your works, Hashem, your thoughts are very deep. In this verse, the question is, why does the deed precede the thought. First we say, how great is your deed, Hashem, and then we say, how great is your thought. Don't thoughts come first? So Abshner Zalman will explain that from an appreciation of Hashem's great works, one begins to understand the depth, the depth of his thoughts. As it is known, all the worlds, all the spiritual worlds, the exalted and the lowly, are dependent on the meticulous performance of a single mitzvah. For example, if an altar offering is valid, then a supernal union in the sefirot is affected. In other words, if you're on the holy altar in the temple and there's a problem with that sacrifice, it has a huge ramifications on all the worlds, and all the worlds um, are affected. So he, over here he's talking about if it's valid. If it's valid, then the supernal union is affected, and all the words are elevated 
to receive their life force and spiritual sustenance. However, if the person who was doing this mitzvah, the Kohen, altered the precise requirements of the law, for example, he received the blood of the offering with his left hand, Rather than, the ra- rather than the right hand, or an invalid vessel, or there was a separation between his hand and the, the vessel, etc., then all the elevations of the world that would have been accomplished are nullified. Can you believe it? As is the life force and sustenance that they would have received from Hashem's infinite light. So too by tefillin. Through the use of valid tefillin, there's a, the revealed the supernal intellect of Hashem's incredible light, the the sefirot of Atzilut, the seventh the emotional sefirot of Atzilut, the source of life for all the worlds below that, and yet through the omission of one required detail and the tefillin now longer no kosher, they are invalidated and the intellect departs. You could have had the supernal intellect of Hashem's emotion. Obviously, it's not emotion the way we understand it. It's the emotional levels. But now you lost out. And so too with any mitzvah. If you do it, you could accomplish incredible elevation. If not, not. So therefore, let one therefore ponder how great are the works of Hashem in the multiplicity of the worlds and all their, whatever's in them. And how all these worlds are literally null relative to any one of the specific requirements of the Torah. In other words, all these spiritual worlds are dependent on us fulfilling one detail of Torah. For this is the profundity of the supreme thought of divine wisdom, that through the observance of one minor specification, all the worlds ascend and we change everything or, heaven forbid, the opposite. From this we may ponder the incredible power of Hashem's thought, which is boundless and endless and which infinitely transcends the vitality of all worlds, for their entire energizing power issues from a minor mitzvah, a minor requirement of Hashem's thought. And this requirement comes from its source, Hashem's thought. So this was the delight of King David, as he sang to gladden his heart, in his Torah study during the time of anguish, he was overjoyed when he contemplated how the entire world is of no account relative to one minor specific detail of the Torah. So in other words, we now understand the Zohar, why they call it song, but we don't understand what did King David do wrong when he called it song. It is a song. In other words, one note can have an incredible impact on the entire world it's it's in it's like a it's a melodious idea that when i'm studying torah i'm transforming the world so what was wrong what did he do wrong when he believed so and he said so 